for joining us today on episode number 206 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about training if you already have a very physically taxing job. A lot of real life runners are on their feet all day. So how do you fit in training for a goal race if you are already exhausted from your daily work schedule? This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so before we get started, we just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of you that joined us live on Wednesday, June 30th for our half marathon training class. We have so much fun connecting with you guys inside of our live classes and just helping to teach you a better way to train that will honor your body, that will train you to enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, and achieve the results that you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, races are coming back. So the the class on like how to run your best half marathon mm-hmm. is perfect timing because yeah. it's time to start signing up for these. Races are going like crazy this fall, mm-hmm. so let's get going. Yeah, and if you missed out and you did not catch the live replay, you can still sign up and catch... I'm sorry, if you didn't catch the live class, you can still catch the replay. Um, So if you head over to realliferunners.com forward slash half marathon class, um, you can still sign up and then you will get that replay sent to you so that you can still enjoy all the amazing things that we taught you guys in that class. That will be available for about a week after that class is over. So until July 7th, that class will be open for you to check out the replay. So if you missed it, head over to realliferunners.com forward slash half marathon class and sign up and then you will get to watch the replay for that. Excellent. Absolutely. So let's jump into today's episode because we wanted to do this episode because we did have someone leave us a message on the website. So if you didn't know that you can do that, make sure that you head over to check out the website over at realliferunners.com. There's a button on the right-hand side of the website that says, send us a message. So basically you can record a voicemail up to 90 seconds with any questions that you have. And so if you have ideas for the podcast or if you have questions about your training, we would love to figure out, you know, what's going on with you guys and help give you a little bit of um, information or um, things that can help you to tackle whatever you're dealing with right now. It's great. Like, obviously you can send us an email, but you can send us a little voice message through that. If it's a short question, we just get back and answer the question. If it's a good one, if it's a long one, we're like, that might apply to several of our, of our audience, several Mm -hmm. of our listeners. Well, either way, I reply to all of them. Okay. So you guys leave me a voicemail. I will send you a voice memo back. Um, so I reply to every single one and, then, like Kevin said, if we have a, a very good question that we think will benefit a lot of people, we'll turn it into a podcast because that's the whole point of this podcast. That's the whole point of that question box, too. Well, yeah, <laughs> so that we can help more people, right? Like, what are you guys struggling with? And so this is has been left for us on the voicemail, but also some of our training team members, um, some of the members of our, our free Facebook group, The Tribe, have also been asking about this. But we have several members inside of our Real Life Runners training team that have this issue of having a very physically taxing job. You know, we have a few nurses that are working three 12-hour shifts. They're on their feet all day. Some of them are overnight shifts, you know, so their whole schedule and rhythm is thrown off. So how do you fit training in when you have a job like that that is either physically demanding, you know, maybe you're doing – 
landscaping type of work. Nursing is definitely a physical job. Maybe you're a doctor that's a surgeon and you're on your feet for 12 hours in a very complicated surgery. There's all sorts of things um, in different jobs where people are just physically taxed by the end of that day. Right. Like there, there's, you know, construction, landscaping, things where you're really like physically lifting and hauling and moving stuff around. Yeah. But any job where you're just literally on your feet all day long has its own problems. And we've Especially talked, as a runner. Right. Like we've talked about the problems of a job where you're just sitting at a desk all day long. Like yes. that has its own problems. But if you literally are never sitting at a desk because mm-hmm. you're just on your feet, by the end of the day, you're tired. The last thing you want to do is go for a run. Right. And if you're working crazy 12-hour shifts where it's like, well, I've got this morning one, but then I've got this overnight one, where do you even fit the run in and do you really want to wake up earlier and shove a run in if you already have a 12-hour shift coming? Right. And what if you have kids? Yes. Like, you've got to try and be able to fit all these things in. So that's kind of where the whole episode is, is coming from. Right. So we are going to just kind of go through a little bit of a, a background and a foundation um, about, like, training plans and what you should be thinking about if this is you. You know, if you do find yourself in a very physically taxing job where you're just very tired and you're thinking, how am I going to fit all this training in? Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about training plans first, and then we're going to go into those specific strategies of things that you want to make sure that you're taking care of if this sounds like you, okay? And then some common mistakes that we see people making and how to fix them. Right, because I think the the first way about how do I handle this is come up with a training plan. Right. Like that's why so much of the outline is like what do you need with a training plan and different aspects of training plans because having an actual plan, even if ultimately you're only going to follow some of it and you're always going to be constantly rearranging things, if you have the the overall structure of a plan, if you know why you're doing different things, it makes it easier to move the plan around when work comes up and you have to move the plan around. Yeah, that's an excellent point because I think that a lot of people in this situation maybe even avoid doing a training plan. Like they they avoid looking for one or creating one and they just kind of think that they're going to figure it out on the whim because they're not sure how they're going to feel on any given day. So that discourages a lot of people from even trying to figure out a training plan because they're like, oh, well, what's the point of having a training plan if I'm not going to really follow it or if I'm going to be having to adjust it all the time? Yes. So, all right. So let's start with the, the basic of training plans. Training plans themselves, the overall concept of the plan is pretty simple. The goal is basically to get you physically and mentally from wherever you currently are to where you would like to be. Okay, both physically and mentally. You mm-hmm. need both aspects within the plan. And they kind of go together. Absolutely. And whenever you start a training plan, you have to be honest with yourself. Okay. Honesty is absolutely the key when you're starting any training plan. Because a lot of times we think that we are in better shape than we are, or we think that we're in worse shape than we are. You know, we see it both ways. And so to have an accurate starting point so that you can truly assess where you are right now is really going to help you understand the steps that you need to take to get you to where you want to be. Like if you think that you're further ahead than you are, then you're going to progress too quickly, which is going to lead, you know, probably lead to injury or more burnout or more overwhelm. But if you think that you're worse than you are, then you maybe are going to progress too slowly, which I mean, I would argue that there's not really such a thing, but maybe if you have a specific goal time in mind or a specific thing that you're shooting for, you might not get there in time if you 
assess your starting point as behind where, where you actually are. Right. If you think that you're not quite as fast as you actually are, quite as strong, or don't have the same endurance level as you actually do, you're not going to push yourself. If you don't push yourself, you can't actually make the physical changes that you need to reach the ultimate goal. Yeah, that's an excellent point. The other thing you need to be honest with yourself about is your goal. Like, do you actually know what is going to bring you satisfaction? What is your goal for that race? Is the goal completion? Do you just want to cross the finish line? Or are you trying to hit a time or beat a previous time or, you know, try to, um, feel a certain way when you're crossing that line. A lot of people think that they're not quite sure or that they they say that they just want to complete the race, but really in the back of their mind, they do have a time goal in mind and they don't always communicate that because they're not sure if they're going to hit it. But that if, if, if you're lying to yourself about that, if you're saying that you just want to complete the race, but you really do have a time goal in mind, when you do complete the race and you don't hit that time goal, how are you going to feel? Right. So you have to be very honest with what it is that you actually want. Is what you want some time? Is what you want to have the longest distance you've ever run a race before? You don't need to have a goal that impresses anybody. Like your your goal does not need to impress anybody. It doesn't need to scare anybody. It doesn't need to be approved by anybody. It's your goal. It's not their goal. It's yours. You can say it out loud, especially in our like Facebook tribe because you get a lot of support there, mm-hmm. but you don't have to impress anybody with your goal. You just have to be very honest with yourself of what the goal is. Your goal should be something that when you achieve it, you will feel very satisfied with it mm-hmm. and be very, very honest what that is. Because if you're lying about what you want and you're like, oh, I would like this, but I'm going to say that I want that over there. If you really want A, but you're pretending that you want B, you're going to end up with B because that's what you're telling people. You're not going to get A because that's not what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be very honest here. Right. So you so you want to be honest with yourself about that starting point and also the goal of the race, okay? Now it's time to kind of make the plan. All right, so what does a training plan include? Sometimes training plans seem complicated to some people, but they really aren't that complicated. Like you need to run, you need some strength training, you need mobility, and you need to put some different types of running in, right? Like, yes, you need to run, but all of your runs can't be the same thing. I mean, I guess all of them could be long, slow distance, but that would just get a little bit boring. All of them should definitely not be like a medium, moderate, or hard effort because especially if you have a physically taxing job, that's just going to burn you out and get you injured on very, very quickly. You're never making it to the starting line that right. way. I have a super taxing job, and I thought every run I do, I just run until I feel like I'm going to have to lay on the ground. Right. Seems like a bad choice. Bad choice. So what you want to do is make sure that your training plan is incorporating all aspects. There's There are running of different efforts. There is mobility. There's strength training. There's nutrition. And there's recovery. Like Those are some of the biggest things that you need to think about when you're making your training plan. Right, and nutrition and recovery are not necessarily written into every training plan, but they should still kind of be incorporated. Those days where there's not a run or a strength day, that's a recovery day. Mm -hmm. And this gets tricky when you have the physically taxing job because people are like, oh, well, so that'll be the day where I work all day long. It's like, well, that's not exactly a recovery day if you just spent 12 hours on your feet. That's Mm -hmm. not a recovery day if you just did like a, a whole landscaping installation. Like that's 
that's not an easy day that was hard. Right. Recovery doesn't just mean not running or not working out or not exercising. If you have a physical job and you're doing very physically taxing things, that's, you know, you need to integrate that into your plan as harder efforts, right? Like, like Kevin said, if you have like a very hard day where you're like installing things or, you know, the work is a little bit harder on one day versus another, that's very important for you to know and try to adjust your training accordingly. Right. Because the, the recovery is when your body is actually physically able to make the adaptations to the workouts that you're putting in, whether it's a long run or a speed day or a strength day, your body can't adapt to all of the demands you're putting onto it unless you give it time to recover. And then you have to give it the nutrition to actually have the fuel and the building blocks to recover and come back stronger. Right. Because, you know, if you map this whole thing out, then really all you have to do is follow it. Like it it seems pretty simple. Like if you can bring, you know, break open a calendar, if you are the kind of person that likes to make training plans yourself, you know, what, what we would suggest is to open up a calendar and put your goal race. If you have a date, on the calendar and then kind of work backwards and figure out like how many weeks do I need to train for this thing and do I have enough time, right? Because once you make the plan, all you have to do is just follow it, right? They're really just simple steps like, oh, okay, I have to run four miles this day or five miles this day. And the steps feel logical because they have a purpose to them because you have taken the time to plan it all out. Right. And, you know, depending on what your race is, depending on what your goal is off of this thing, it doesn't, you don't even have to have a race at the end of it. Maybe your goal is, I would like to have like a change in my lifestyle. I want to feel healthier throughout. That's a different training plan than training for a 5k Mm -hmm. or a half marathon or a full marathon. They all have different things that come along with it. You know, if you're training for a full marathon and you have a a physically demanding job, you got to be careful about how you're going to schedule in long runs. Like, do you need a long run every single weekend? Maybe not. Maybe that's just going to wear you down. And by the time you actually get to the race, you're sick of it. Like you're just broken down. You're, you're overtrained, even though like your training plan and the person next to you on the starting line might look similar. You came in completely overcooked because of all of the other demands on your life. Right. And that's why the timeline is really important when you're looking at your training plan. And if you don't want to figure out training plans, we would suggest having someone help you figure this out, right? So maybe you have a running coach or maybe you have a friend or maybe you just want to join the Real Life Runners training team and have us do it for you. This is what we love to do, you know? So if if the whole idea of making a training plan that incorporates all of these things already is making you feel, you know, just overwhelmed and confused, get some help with this. If this is a goal that actually matters to you, that you want to figure out the best way to do it, get some help, you know? Like if you're not sure you can just pay someone to do that for you. You know, like, yeah, there's tons of like free things on the internet, but are any of those right for you? Especially if you have this physically demanding job, like generic training plans that you download on the internet, they don't take that into consideration at all. Like they're not like, oh, by the way, if you're a nurse that, you know, works 12 hour shifts, here's the training plan for you to run a half marathon. Like that's not what happens. That's what coaches are for. So if this goal is worthwhile to you, invest in yourself so that you can do it correctly. Yeah. Because having a more customized training plan approach allows you to come up with things like, okay, 
I'm only going to do a long run every other week. Mm -hmm. Or because my schedule is constantly rotating, I'm going to do a long run this weekend, but then I work both days next weekend. So I'm actually going to fit a long run in on a Wednesday because that's an off day. Like you can move the schedule around Mm -hmm. however you need. And there's no schedule like that in the back of any of the training books. There's beginner, moderate, and advanced training plans. Those are the plans. Right. But we have personalized clients. You know, we have different options on the team, but we have personalized clients that like don't want to figure it out. And they're very happy to pay us every month to figure this out for them. They send us their schedule at the beginning of the month. We put in, you know, their working days and then we figure out where their runs and their strength and everything fits in. And sometimes they need to move things around a little bit, but for the most part, it's done and they don't have to think about it. They just have to do it. And that alone takes so much of the burden off. Yes. You make a very good point there is sometimes things do still need to get moved around. Things come up and training plans should be open to change. Okay. A training plan, as we love to say on our team, your training should incorporate training the mind, your body, and your running skills. So when obstacles come up, you can't suddenly be like, oh, this came up. I'm going to stop training my running skills and I'll just focus on mind or body. Oh, this came up. I'm going to stop training the mind. I'm just going to check out for mental training and I'll just keep running. Like you, you have to still incorporate all three aspects. Right. And I mean, most runners don't like consciously say that and be like, okay, I'm not going to train my mind anymore or I'm not going to train my body anymore. Like that's not usually what they, no, what they do, not. right? But they look at that plan and they were like, okay, well, I'm training for a marathon. I think that the running is the most important thing or the long run is the most important thing. So I'm going to skip my strength days or I only have 45 minutes. My run is supposed to be in, um, my run is supposed to be 45 minutes plus drills at the end of it. So I'm just going to skip the drills, right? The drills are what helps to build the skill and the efficiency and the running form and all of that. There's a lot of really, really good benefits of drills. So we tell people all the time, no, don't do that, right? Shorten the run so that you can still make sure that you're getting those drills in so that you can still make sure that you're hitting all three of those main areas that you need to to train. Yeah. I mean, that's, we're going to, I'm sure, repeat ourselves at the end of this one when we kind of recap, but that's, basically one of the biggest pitfalls that people come up with is they put a plan in it has all the things incorporated into it and they're like all right but the most important is clearly the running and it turns out it's it's not Mm -hmm. because if you think the only thing on the training plan that really matters is the running you're going to get hurt because you're skipping the strength you're skipping the mobility you're skipping the the drill work that leads to more efficient you're not practicing breathing correctly you're not practicing posture like all of the other aspects are falling apart and you're still trying to ramp up an increase in mileage your body's like "Mm, nope we're gonna go ahead and get hurt right and then you're tired too right so when you are tired on top of that then the rest of your life is also going to suffer because when you're tired guess what also suffers your patience right like so if you have anyone else in your family or friends like that care about you that you like to spend time with and you're constantly exhausted all the time how are you showing up for them also like this is this is all a very important thing to think about when you figure out how to incorporate this into your life and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit here too right it's and i kind of want to start sliding a little bit into that one because part of this incorporates knowing your starting point Mm -hmm. being really honest with your starting point is 
maybe there's an aspect of the whole mind body skills thing that you've been working for a long time like if you've been running for years and years maybe your skills are pretty good mm -hmm. like maybe you've really advanced your running form to a pretty efficient place so you don't have to spend a ton of time on that like yeah, you should probably do drills on a regular basis, but maybe you skip them this week because you just didn't have time. As long as it's not all the time you miss that thing, mm -hmm. maybe that's an area where it's like, that's not my highest priority. And this is again where it's helpful to have outside eyes yeah. because we all have a tendency to be like, oh, that's not my highest priority is code for, I don't feel like doing that part because it's not my favorite. Yeah, I don't like it as much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like that, that's totally what we do. You know, we're like, ah, you know, I think it's probably okay if I just skip that. It's like, I don't enjoy that as much as the other parts of my plan. So I'm just going to let go of that part. And then what happens is you just neglect those full areas yes. um, of your training. And that's just not good because that can lead to all sorts of problems. So yes, when you have this job, that is physically taxing, you have to either alter your starting point, your goal, or your timeline. Like one of those three things or all of, all them, of them, right? Like, I mean, I would argue sometimes you have to alter all of them depending on what that goal is. So it's important for you, again, to assess your starting point, okay? Be very honest with yourself. Be very accurate with yourself on this, okay? Because you might have more endurance or more strength than you thought. If you have a very physically taxing job, you're going to probably have a baseline level of endurance that's better than someone that has a very sedentary job. Like if you're on your feet all day long, that's you're going to have that baseline that's a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me of the opening week of school mm -hmm. is there are certain your teachers. Voice? My voice is shot the yeah. opening week of school because I haven't talked all day long since the previous school year. Right. But what doesn't suddenly wear me out, I'm not by the end of the day like, oh God, I just need to sit down in a chair mm -hmm. because I I still run all mm -hmm. the time. So I'm not physically exhausted because I'm standing in front of the class and yeah. walking back and forth and walking around the room. And there are definitely other teachers who by the end of the day, they're like, I just need to lay down, maybe take an ice bath. <laughs> I need a bed because I, I don't, I'm just going to teach my seventh period from the chair Yeah, because they're just, they're spent. Right. And this is where the, you know, the two way street is really, really helpful here, yes. right? Because your running can improve your life and your life can also improve your running, right? So if you run, you're going to have better endurance for those physically taxing jobs if you don't overtrain, if right? As long as you're not overtraining and breaking yourself down and allowing for recovery and all the things we're about to talk about here. So running can help you be better at that physically physical job and your physical job can also add to your running as long as you balance the two appropriately. Yes. One of the other aspects we covered endurance, but you also probably have some strength built up that you might not be banking on. You're like, oh, you know, I don't really do any specific strength training. Okay, but what about the things that you do all day long in your normal job? Yeah. Okay, you might have higher level strength than you are actually kind of admitting to. Mm -hmm. But be careful on this one because you may be stronger with some muscles, but totally weaker in other areas. Right. Just because you have a physically taxing job, I'm moving stuff, I'm hauling stuff, I'm thinking landscaper kind mm -hmm. of construction sort that's of so job. Funny. You're, that's like where your mind is going. My you're mind going is straight going to, to like nursing. Nursing, yeah. yeah. Like you're moving patients in and out of bed, like Not you're it, pushing carts around, like there's very physically... Very physically taxing yeah. jobs. 
any anytime you're moving things, whether it be <laughs> yeah. a plant, a piece of construction equipment, or a human, you're going to it's a physically taxing job. But do those movements necessarily directly connect to the strength that you need as a runner? Maybe, maybe not. Right. So that's why you know a basic assessment at the beginning of what are your strengths and what are what are uh, lacking is a super helpful beginning. Yeah, well, I would argue that they're not like enough per se, unless you are a professional runner. Like, unless your job is running and this is what you do. Like, yes, you might have some increased strength in your upper body if you're lifting things, or in your quads because you're lifting properly with your legs and not Excellent. just bending over at and, and hurting your back. You right? might start with a herniated disc because yeah. you're not lifting we correctly. We don't want that. But at the same time, if you're not doing those small stabilizing exercises, that's what you really need to focus on more as a runner, right? So maybe, you know, for most of our training plans, pretty much all of our training plans, we have like a dedicated full body workout day. And then we have some days that are just dedicated to building that the core, right? The hip strength, the core strength, those stabilizing smaller muscles. So maybe if you have a very taxing job, you can get rid of some of the full body stuff and just focus on the stabilizing stuff, right? There's ways that you can adjust your plan so that you're not completely ne- neglecting strength, but understanding that you might be getting some of that strength in you know your job or in other areas. So maybe that's not the biggest focus, you know, maybe your time would be better spent doing other things. Yes. But the, the core exercises are still super important. One of the other physically taxing jobs that I just thought of, which leads to my, the point that I wanted to hit here is muscle imbalance. Yep. The physically taxing job of a mom (laughs) and the muscle imbalance from always holding your kid on the same hip. Oh yeah. That we see that all the time. Thank you for (laughs) no, you know, noticing and acknowledging the physically taxing job of motherhood because it's true, right? Especially if you have little ones, like Kevin said, if you have a kid on one hip and you're constantly doing something with the other arm, that can lead to a lot of imbalance. And that, that's why a lot of moms develop low back pain or shoulder issues or other things because they're constantly trying to multitask and do things um, off balance while holding a squirming toddler in their hands. Right. They they pointed this out during the, uh, I think it was the 10,000 or 5,000 of the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. Now, they pointed this out during the men's 5,000. Of course. Because it was a guy in the race who actually, they, they showed a picture of him holding his kid on the one hip, mm-hmm. and he had hurt his hip. And then, thankfully, Kara Goucher was one of the announcers, and she goes, I had the same issue mm-hmm. when she had a newborn, because she was always holding her son on, like, I forget, but I think her left hip, she said. Right. And as long as she had her kid on that hip, her hip was always popped out to the one side. Yep. That's basically repetitive use injury. Totally. Like just waiting to happen because you're constantly standing with one hip out to the side. It's a very common issue that shows up a lot in people who are always carrying their kid on the same hip. So one, move your kid from one side to the other. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> on occasion. Or make sure that you're doing the core strengthening to to kind of prevent that imbalance a little that's bit. That's not an or, that's an and. Yeah. Yeah, make sure you're doing both. Or get one of those awesome baby carriers where you can like strap your kid to your back or strap your kid to your chest so that it's more balanced yes you know when it's when the kids on the front or on the back then at least you're not creating an imbalance side to side especially as a mother you know 
after pregnancy, your ligaments are looser, like your hormones are different. Your, and so your ligaments are actually looser than they, um, than they used to be before your pregnancy, right? Because you have a, a hormone released during pregnancy called relaxin that actually loosens up your ligaments so that your body can grow and, you know, accept the growing size of your skeleton to accommodate another human being inside of you. And when you pop that baby out, things don't just go right back to normal. You know, any, any mom that knows, any mom that's ever had a kid understands things don't just go right back to normal. Is that the sound of things going back yeah. to the normal or the sound of the baby popping out? Going back to normal. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that's the sound of the baby popping out, you're a lucky lady, especially if it comes out that, that quickly. Also, that is the best named chemical inside your body because that's the only one that sounds like it actually does its job. I know. Relaxing. Relaxing. It helps relax all of the ligaments. Pretty much, right? Okay, so be very clear about that starting point, okay? And understand how your lifestyle or your job could be creating these imbalances in your body, and then you need to do something to correct those things. Beyond looking at your starting point, you might need to take a look at your goal, okay? Your goal might need to change, or possibly if you don't want to change your goal, like you're like, nope, I'm going to run that race, and I'm going to run it that fast, and this is this is what I got, you might need to look at other aspects of your life and change those. Like if your job is not changing, and your goal is something that you are strongly committed to, you might need to pull back on most other aspects of your life. Then. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you have a very physically demanding job, and your goal is to PR in the full marathon, or to to be Q or to do something extraordinary. I mean, I would argue that all running goals are extraordinary, right? Because ordinary people don't do this. Like we are extraordinary humans, all of us as runners, like it's just something that we all share in common, right? But say you have a long distance that you want to run and you want to run it very quickly um, or faster than you ever have before or longer than you ever have before. You need to adjust your lifestyle and people just don't want to do that. People want to try to do it all. I think that we as mothers like and women are you know, particularly susceptible to this, nothing against the male gender or anything like that. But we as women think that we need to do it all. You know, we need to have the job. We need to be the perfect mother. We need to be the perfect runner. We need to do all the things. And something's got to give because you know that if you've ever done anything like that other other times in your life, you, you don't feel fulfilled or satisfied in one of those areas. You always feel like, you know, you've got 10 balls in the air and as soon as one drops, the whole house is going to fall down. You know, I don't know about balls, maybe cards or whatever. Like a, I think you mix you're much several better. metaphors I know, there. you're much better at metaphors than I am, but you know what I'm getting at, right? <laughs> right, I'm going to take that one and go with it. Okay, so... In life, you have all sorts of different aspects of your life. And imagine that this is like juggling several balls simultaneously. See, here, here, here you go with the metaphor. Let's okay. do it. So if, if your job is not changing, that's fixed, that's, that's an absolute, and the goal is an absolute, those balls that you're juggling now are now made of glass. You can't drop those. That means that the other ones need to be made of rubber. So if you drop them, they bounce and they can recover. The thing is that if some of those other aspects are like your family, you need to be very open and honest with them Mm -hmm. about these are my goals, these are my priorities, this is my timeline, and then after this window, uh, 
the the running goal will no longer be made of glass anymore and I will open back up and have a lot more time with you. Mm-hmm. This may put a big constraint on other people, maybe your family, maybe your friends, like heading out with your friends on the on a weekend on a Friday night. Yeah. Like that's not necessarily going to be high on the priority list if you have other things. So you may have to adopt a totally different lifestyle and other people might need to accommodate that mm-hmm. or not accommodate that and you might just have other people that are a little annoyed with you and you have to be okay with that also. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is why it's so important to be upfront if you can, right? To have those conversations and help the other people in your life understand that that might, you know, need to be the sacrifice that you're going to have to make, you know, like time with that person or time with those people, you might have to sacrifice that if this is your goal, if this is your lifestyle, because something has to give, you cannot do it all. You cannot be everything for everyone. So please hear me on that because I know that I have fallen into this trap so many times. So many of us have, right? Say no to something in your life. Like the the word no is one of the most powerful words in the English language. You have to say no to something if you want to say yes to this goal. Yeah. Like and saying no sounds super restrictive. You're like, oh, well, I don't like a restrictive lifestyle. I want to be able to do all the things. Okay, but you can't, you literally can't do all the things at the highest level simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like if you've tried to juggle, eventually, if you keep adding in more things that you're trying to juggle, you're going to drop one of them. And you need to decide which one is more okay to drop. And you got to be just open with this and open and honest with yourself. This again, honesty is so key here. You need to be very honest with yourself. If you listen to any of the interviews at the end of races of the Olympic trials Mm -hmm. or the Olympics themselves, what are all these people so grateful for is all of the friends and family that supported them during all this. And by support, usually that means like, I've kind of ignored all of my friends and family for the last six months, six years, decade. Like I've really been awful, awfully selfish during this time. By focusing on this goal. Because I needed to be in order to achieve this goal. Right. right. Like it was selfish and, and I had established it and my family supported me through all of that. Thank you to them. Yeah. Selfish doesn't, isn't a bad thing. No. You know, everyone thinks that selfish is a bad word. It is not selfish. If you have a goal, you need to make the choices that are going to support that goal. Period. Right. So figure out what those are and understand that this is a short term thing, you know, for most people, like especially for real life runners. If if you have a goal to run a full marathon and or BQ or something like that, right? This doesn't have to be a multi-year restriction and sacrifice. Like this can be a, a, a six months, three months, four months, right? Like depending again on that starting point, going back to accurately assess that. So figuring out what your timeline is, which we're going to address next, is very important so that you can understand that like, okay, for this chunk of time, this is my main focus and other things are going to have to kind of fall away. Like, and so if you're married, then you might have to ask your spouse, like, look, I'm not going to, I have this physically demanding job. I'm on my feet, right? I'm, I'm working these 12 hour shifts or I'm doing all these things. Will you cook dinner five nights a week? Will you be able to do that? Or are we going to get takeout? You know, like have that in place so that you understand that like, you know, if you're the one that normally comes home and cooks dinner, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore because I've got to make time to train and I have to make time to recover because if I'm on my feet all day, I don't want to come home and be on my feet again for another hour cooking dinner. 
Right, and it may feel like this is an uncomfortable and awkward conversation, but you know what else is uncomfortable? Running a marathon. Yeah. So just be prepared for the uncomfortableness. I mean, this is part of the mental training that you have to 100%. go through, right? Like, this is the beginning of it. Like, understanding, like, when to say no, when to push through, like, when to pull back. Like, all of these things are sacrifices that you have to make. And there are sacrifices that need to be made when you have big goals, regardless of what it is. You know, one of the podcasts that I love to listen to um, she's a life coach and she has a private practice and a, you know, a business that she's building. And she was talking about how there are some times where she needs to be focused on the business and her family understands that. Like her family accepts that sometimes she has to sacrifice time with them so that she can be at work because building a business and helping her clients is so important to her and so you know, a part of who she is and the life that she wants to live that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes she does have to kind of give up time or miss little events or things like that with her family. And so everybody has to be on board with that. Everybody has to know. And so if you have those conversations ahead of time, you can avoid a lot of the resentment that could build when this all does happen because it's bound to happen at some point. So when you get out there in front of it and be like, look, this is probably what's going to happen. Are you on board? Can we make this work? Let's figure out how to make this work together. It's going to lead to a lot less problems down the road. Yeah, a lot greater support as yeah. as the road goes along well, everybody because everybody knows what's going on. And they feel like they have a voice, yes. right? They feel like they're being heard. The other people in your life have a voice and be like, you know, mom, I, don't, I really don't like this or whatnot. And you can say, all right, like, I understand that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, but at least you're hearing them out. At least you, they feel like they can talk to you about it. Yes. And then maybe you hear them out and you're like, okay, you're right. I, I do need to take a break on this day. Mm-hmm. I don't need to throw everything out the window. Like my goal's still there, but maybe today my plan is going to change. Yeah. But just today, yeah. because I look back over what I've done in the last three weeks or so and and my kid is right. I do need to make them a priority tonight. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just sit down and we watch a movie. Yeah. You know, and like whatever it is. Absolutely. And that's why the plan can be flexible. The yes. plan can be flexible because other things come up, but those things that come up could be spending time with your family and, and, and understanding that if you miss one training run, your whole training plan is not going down the toilet. <laughs> That's a very like, good point. You're totally fine. Like you can't just do that all the time, right? Like you have to still be consistent, but if you miss a run here and there because your kid really needs to spend time with you, that is a beautiful reason to do this. You know, we have one of our clients right now who is training for a marathon. It's her first marathon and she was supposed to do a long run. I think it was eight miles and she, her, her, her kid got sick. Yep. Her kid's four years old. He got, or she got sick. And so she's like, I was only able to get in four. I'm so sorry. And I just wrote back to her and I said, first of all, you never have to apologize to us. Like it's always weird when people apologize well, for missing their plan. <laughs> people think that they're letting us down as their coaches, but they're, that's the furthest thing from the truth, right? As, as coaches, we don't, you know, think badly or judge people for not doing things. Like it's our job to guide. It's our job to create plans. It's it's our job to help give people the tools and the resources to achieve their goals. But ultimately it's up to them to actually do it. You, but you don't have to apologize to us. You're not trying to impress us. There's nothing that, you know, we have 
you know, to do as far as that goes. So she apologized and I just wrote back and I said, please never apologize for that. Like you made the best decision for you and for your daughter and for your family. You got in what you could. Great job getting something in. Mm -hmm. You know, even that is fantastic. But sometimes life needs to take priority over training and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid was the priority at the end of the day. Is it more important that you got in those extra four miles or that you spent time with a kid? If part of the reason why you want to run the race is to show your kid what's possible, do they know that you got in those four miles or do they know that you were able to be at home taking care of them? Right. Like that's, you got to kind of have step back every once in a while and we'll get a bigger picture here. Right. So when we step back and look at the bigger picture, we also look at the timeline. Okay. So the timeline is also something very important to take into consideration. A lot of the generic training plans out there for a half marathon are 12 weeks or a full marathon, 16 weeks, right? But if you have a physically demanding job and you know that you're going to need more time recovering because of that, maybe you need 20 weeks, maybe you need 24 weeks. Like maybe your timeline needs to be stretched out so that you can give your body enough downtime. Like I always tell people, the challenge of the marathon is not the mileage. Your body can handle mileage. It's getting the amount of recovery that you need so that you don't get hurt and that you still want to train. Yeah, you make a really good point of depending on how how you're fitting recovery in, that timeline might really need to stretch out. And if that timeline can't stretch out because you've already signed up for the race, that race is on the schedule, you've paid the entry fee and it's coming, then that's when you look at your starting point and your goal and make sure that those are lined up correctly. But the timeline, if you're just like, I would like to run a half marathon, I'd like to run a marathon, figure out the timeline based off of the start and the goal. Come in with some questions like, how many days per week can you run? Not how many could you run in a perfect ideal world, but in the reality that you live in, how many days during the week can you actually devote to running? Right. And this is another problem with those generic training plans, right? Most of them are five days a week. Like you might be able to find some that are four, some out there that are three. Um, but you know, if you're running, if you're trying to train for a half or a full, we really don't recommend much lower than, than four days. Um, but that's part of the issue, you know, Will that generic training plan take into account how much you need to run plus all of the work stuff that goes on top of it? Right. So like, it's pretty well accepted among the running coaching community that more running, like literally higher volume up to a point, would generally lead to greater results. But that doesn't mean that you just need to go out there and run every run as long as you can and make your long run as long as it can possibly be. Because yeah. more running is actually a long-term concept. Mm -hmm. This is not from day to day. This is not from week to week. This is over the course of your running training plan, which, you know, three months, six months, over the course of this window, more running is better. And more running is likely to happen if you can be consistent. So if you're like, I can consistently get four days in during the week is a lot better than saying, I'm going to aim for six until I completely burn out. Then I'm going to take a week and just not be able to run at all. And then I come back and grind it at six again. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's not the consistent plan that you actually need for more volume. Right. And then we always talk about, you know, incorporating different effort levels. If you're doing a race and you're also, you also have a physically taxing job, understand that that those ratios might need to change, right? Like we always say, oh, 80, 20, you know, do 80% easy, 20% harder. You know, we, we did an episode a couple, um, back about like, uh, 
polarized training yep. versus pyramidal training and how that 80-20 is really more like 90-10. You know, for, for you, if you've got a very physically taxing job, it should probably be that 90-10 or even 95-5. Like, you know, who knows what that exact ratio is for you, but you should probably pull back on the intensity if you're trying to build mileage, you know, at the same time as being on your feet all the time or having a very physically taxing job. Right. But then you got to realize that speed is going to build slower if you're only physically capable of adding in one speed session per week. Right. And generally, if you're only running four days a week, I often recommend one day of speed during the week. There are some personalized clients that we're working with that have four days a week and two of them are speed sessions, but I'm very careful of monitoring the volume inside of those things and making sure that yeah. it's not overwhelming volume of speed. It's just someone who really enjoys the speed and throwing in another easy day, which is driving cuckoos. Like me. Yeah, like you. <laughs> I know. That's how, how I first converted you. We can make more of them speed days Ooh, as long as we're gentle with it. Right. Or like just a smaller portion of that run like you said, exactly. right? Like maybe, you know, the, you're supposed to have one speed session per week and say any other person that didn't have as physically of a taxing job, you know, of that five mile run, three miles is supposed to be speed work. Maybe for you, it's only two miles so that you're still getting that speed in. You're not completely neglecting it. Like we said earlier, you know, you still have to train mind, body, and skills and, um, skills, you know, effort level and pacing is part of those skills that you need to train, understanding and allowing your body how to, or teaching your body how to run at higher end speed at different paces. That's still important, but you have to do it in the context of what you're working with. All right. So we've got days per week. We've got speed coming in, maybe only once a week, maybe at a lower volume. And the other one is increasing your long run because, well, it's not the only thing that shows up in training for longer races. You do have to increase your volume to a point. Mm -hmm. Okay. You also don't necessarily have to have a long run every single weekend. And so many training plans are like, all right, well, it's Saturday time for a long run or yeah. it's Sunday time for a long run. Well, one, your schedule might not even allow a long run on a Saturday or a Sunday. Maybe it's a Tuesday. So mm -hmm. it fits on that day, but you also don't have to have one every week. You could have a long run and then a down week and then a long run and a down week. You could have two long runs in a down week. Like you can mix this thing up. You, if your schedule is super crazy, could match your running schedule to match your work schedule. Like maybe your work schedule is really on like a 10 day rotation. Match your running to make that happen. Yeah. Hit a long run every 10 days. Yeah. You don't have to do a seven day cycle just no. because it's Saturday doesn't mean that that has to be your long run day. Right. Hashtag church of the Sunday long run. Hashtag. I love my Starbucks coffee after my Saturday run. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're all there, but you can make a schedule where long runs fit on, on, on other days and you don't have to have one every week. Yeah. Also the, the combination of going on a longer run after a 12 hour shift, maybe that long run doesn't need to be 20 miles. Yeah. If you're coming off of a 12 hour shift, 10 miles is a remarkably long sounding run. Yeah. Because you're already doing it on tired legs. Right. So if the whole point of a long run and a good chunk of the point of your long run is running on tired legs. If you're already starting on tired legs, you don't need the 20. Mm -hmm. 10 could be totally sufficient for you. <laughs> so kind of arranging your schedule and your running so that they work together. Like you can, you can use the 12 hour shift to your advantage and be like, yeah. shoot, I don't even need to go on a 20. Yeah, exactly. So that 
takes us into kind of our little summary area here where we want to summarize with some common mistakes that we that we see a lot of people in this situation making. Um, a lot of them we've already talked about, but we're just going to go ahead and summarize. So the first one, like what you just said, is always doing a long run tired. Okay, so like Kevin just mentioned how it can be beneficial to sometimes do a longer run after a shift when you already have tired legs, right? But you don't want every run to be like that. Yes. If you can find some time within your schedule where you actually feel recovered and then you go out for a really long time, okay? One of the benefits of the long run is certainly running on tired legs. But one of the other benefits is just being out there mentally for such a long period of time. And it differs, um, you know, depending on what pace you're running at of how long you really need to be out there for. But there's something to be said for just being out there for a long time mm-hmm. if you're going to be out there for a really long time in a marathon. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to wrap your head around being out there for hour after hour if you're tired before you even take step one. Absolutely. An- another common mistake that we see people making is not altering their lifestyle or their training plan, right? Just trying to do all of it all of it can, you know, at the same time without basically trying to adjust anything. Right. This is the life I have. This is a training plan I found. Let's put them on top of each other. Right. And that completely relates to the, the point of taking on too much too soon, right? Like if you are putting all of this on your plate, just be careful. Like how much are you actually able to do? Like how many bridges do you want to build at the same time? Right. And I mean, that goes back to the whole idea of you might need to look at your overall lifestyle Mm -hmm. and adjust something. Maybe something, something needs to pull back if running is taking a step forward. Absolutely. Um, Another mistake that we see people make is ignoring strength training because the job will cover it. You know, I'll be like, oh, well, my job is very physical. I'm always lifting. I'm always moving. I'm always doing these things. So that is my strength training. So I don't really need to do strength training. All I really need to do is running. And again, like we said before, make sure that you are prioritizing that strength training, especially those smaller stabilizing muscles of the core and hips. Yeah, that's like, sure, maybe there are certain strength exercises that you don't need to do because your job incorporates them, but the small, very runner-specific exercises you're unlikely to ever do in most jobs. Yeah, absolutely. The One of the biggest biggest, biggest mistakes we see is not prioritizing recovery, okay? Um, this is just rampant. I think in most marathon training, like just even if you don't have a physical job, I think that a lot of runners don't prioritize their recovery. And so that leads to a lot of injury and burnout. Like there's a saying out there that says there's no such thing as overtraining. There's only under recovering. Yep. That's a, that's a great point to it. Right. So if you're have, you know, if you have a big goal, like a longer race and you have a physically taxing job, recovery needs to be at the forefront of your mind. Like you need to be taking every chance you get to sleep in, to sit down and put your feet up, to, you know, do anything you can to try to recover more quickly. Like maybe that's taking ice baths. Maybe that's, um, you know, incorporating massage guns or going to get more frequent massages. Like those are ways that you can also add to your recovery. Like, and kind of adjust your lifestyle, right? Maybe you didn't go get massages before, but maybe in order to keep up with marathon training while you have this physical job, you're going to need to start doing a lot more of that self-care and recovery and tissue and mobility work. Right. Like 
now suddenly you have to really pay attention to the shoes you're wearing yes. at your job. Are you wearing compression sleeves while you're on your feet all day Excellent long? Like, point. That's something that needs to come out. Um, like There are so many aspects of recovery. People are like, oh, recovery just means taking an easy day. No, recovery involves so many things. Mm-hmm. It really... like figuring out ways to take care of the inflammation in your body. Like inflammation following a workout is good to a point because it signals your body to come back and build stronger. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have enough time where your body actually has the ability to build stronger, then you're just breaking down. Recovery is key and you may need to come up with some supplemental encouragement to help your body recover. Absolutely. And along those same lines with recovery is fueling, okay? Not fueling properly is a a huge mistake that runners make, especially if people you know, go into running with the goal of like trying to lose weight or trying to get fit. P- people also think that they should start eating less at the same time. And it's the complete opposite. If you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, you need to be eating more, especially if you have a physically taxing job. So, you know, if you have a physically taxing job and you're trying to train for a longer race, losing weight should not also be added to the mix. Like that should not also be a goal. You know, you have to make sure that you're fueling yourself appropriately so that you're giving your muscles what they need to build back stronger and recover appropriately. If you are not giving your body what it needs and, you know, with fuel, like with food and hydration and all the things you need to actually build stronger muscles and allow your body to make those adaptations that, you know, during your training, when you break your body down, it needs to build back up during the recovery time. You need to give your body fuel and building blocks so that during the recovery, it can build back stronger. This goes way back to the beginning where know your starting point and know your goal. If your goal is actually losing weight and you're like, well, I'm just going to sign up for a race for motivation. Mm-hmm but my ultimate goal is to lose weight, you need to figure out that losing weight is the priority and perhaps the training required to run a marathon does not match up with losing weight. So why don't you actually just focus on the goal that you are actually honest with yourself? Yeah, running a marathon is not the best way to lose weight, period. Not at all. Like, do some people lose weight during marathon training? Yes, it does happen, especially if people are starting you know, with a very high weight. Like if, if you are obese or morbidly obese, you will likely lose weight during marathon training. But marathon training or half marathon training even is not the most efficient way to lose weight. So if your goal is weight loss, there are much easier ways for you to do that where you don't feel as exhausted and don't <laughs> have to figure out all of these other pieces, you know, to, to achieve that goal. Okay, so if that is your goal, don't choose a marathon. Like I will just straight up say it, you know, there's way better ways to do that. Okay. And then finally getting back to the cornerstone of all of this, which is our mindset, our thoughts and our beliefs. If you are telling yourself that you're exhausted all of the time, you are going to be exhausted all of the time, right? So your thoughts, your brain is amazing, right? Your brain is constantly looking for evidence of whatever you're telling it. So if you're telling yourself that you're exhausted all the time, your brain is going to constantly find evidence of why you're exhausted. If you try to kind of rein it in and tell yourself that you have more energy and that exercise is helping to create energy in you, you are going to feel more energized. And that's not saying that you should lie to yourself all the time and and tell yourself that you have energy if you are really physically exhausted. You know, it's important to be honest with yourself. Again, going back to that honesty piece, you know, 
if you are tired, acknowledge that you're tired. But if you're constantly saying, oh my God, I'm so tired. And if this is on a broken record, you know, those family and friends that you might be neglecting that are also having to listen to you talk about how tired you are all the time, you know, they're probably not going to appreciate that very much either. No. And they're, they're not in it in the same way that you are. Like right. you're in the, in the thick of it. So it's tough for you to see it. So if all you're doing is complaining about how exhausted you are all the time and they're not helping to see the little like breakthroughs that are happening, maybe you, you get a breakthrough on a run. Maybe you have, have a good run. Maybe something very positive happens at work or whatever it is. If you're not sharing those wins along the way and you're only complaining to the people around you, the support is going to be a, a whole lot harder to come by. Yeah, because then they're going to be like, well, the why, why the heck are you doing yep. this in the first place? Exactly. You know, if all you're doing is complaining and all, all you're doing is exhausted all the time, like, why are you even doing this? You know, it, it does make it more difficult. And I would ask you the same question. You know, why are you doing that? Like, tell yourself the thought that you want to think. Tell yourself how awesome it is that you're doing all of this. Tell yourself how this is making you strong stronger tell yourself how much energy you have like because it's true running can give you more energy running can help you to tackle those physical jobs that you have better as long as you do it correctly as long as you prioritize that recovery and do the strength training and all the things right and it doesn't have to be crazy amounts of hours of commitment you know like inside our training team we teach people how to like incorporate these little things five ten minutes a day you know 20 minute strength sessions like super easy so that you don't have to spend an hour every day working out or running or doing all the things or uh, find a time to get to the gym and yeah. which involves driving to the gym and then driving home from there right. find find workouts that you can incorporate at home where mm-hmm. it wipes out that time yeah because that i mean that could be a two-hour process yep. you know especially if you live a little distance away from the gym or you hit traffic or whatever like get in a 15 to 20 minute workout at home so you can get it in get in there strengthen those muscles and then be done with it yes exactly right so all right guys if you don't want to figure out all of this on your own we are here to support you okay we want to help make your life easier and we want you to achieve those amazing goals that you have for yourself and coaches can help you do that we have proven training plans and a proven training system to help you get to your goals. So if you want more information on that, just check out the website, realliferunners.com. You can also leave us a message over there if you have any specific questions that you want us to address on the podcast. So as always, guys, we hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Make sure you screenshot this podcast and share it to your Instagram stories and tag us so that we can say thank you. Um, Or you can just, you know, text it or email it to a friend if you think this would be helpful. Make sure you share the running love and help other people figure out how to train so they can find more joy, more fulfillment in their running journey and not get injured in the process. All right. So as always, thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 206. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.